Hello, and welcome to the Bliss Smith Podcast. My name is Katie Smith, and here you will learn ways to find, forge, and follow your bliss by hearing stories from people like you on overcoming obstacles, diving deeply into passion, investing in yourselves and others, and uniting in gratitude to celebrate every last joy. I can't wait for you to listen. y'all hola hola welcome thanks for thanks for coming guys we uh hung out a couple weeks ago and i was on your podcast super fun yeah great times uh gotten some feedback from some people who listen to it that are mutual friends of ours yeah we got yelled at a little bit (laughs) they were like how dare you yelled at remember katie Saying we have to, oh, yeah. we have to say. Salutes uh, to Katie Bach and Dave. Yeah. Disappointed that we failed to mention oh, the Ockers. Yeah. yeah, the mm-hmm. Bachabachers in uh, L.A. One yeah. of many of Caesar's favorite cities. <laughs> <laughs> Not Portland though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did get in a little bit of trouble, but I'm glad there was some good feedback. Um, it was a blast. I know and she's listening. I'm not scared of Katie. Okay. I wouldn't so, be. So, so I didn't feel like I was in trouble. So come for you in French. <laughs> Katie, Katie's no joke. She really isn't. That's why. She's not in Compton. She's uh, she's definitely like a, a black belt. Yeah, she's definitely tougher than Damien. <laughs> I can't Dang. speak on that. So I'm not going to speak on that. <laughs> Bring it, Damien. Usually I take Damien's side in their fights, so... Um, I will do the same here and say that uh, Damien can take her. This is going to go well. Can't wait till she hears. I have no, I have no horses in this race. (laughs) I have several. They're both my horse. This is, this is brutal. All of them. All the horses. (laughs) All the horses. (laughs) Well, sweet. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, um, you know, talk about whatever we want to talk about. And I'm, I've really got some ammunition because uh, when we were on your podcast, you were like, Katie, you were ripping through questions. And so I, I wrote down some more so we can just really, boop, 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 boop. I don't know. That was, <laughs> we want what... all the smoke. Yeah. yeah. Come at, come at us. So, we're, we're always ready. Uh, yeah. And I, I actually, I adapted a, a, a like a game that, you asked me on your podcast what my one of my favorite um, podcasts was, and it uh, Brene Brown. She does this rapid fire questions where she asks you a question you have to answer quickly. So I was like, I'm going full rapid fire with these two gents. So we'll do that at some point. I got but... the banana clip loaded. Let's go. <laughs> Can't Ooh, wait. Okay. Let's go. Okay, so I would love an intro of both of you and. I want to ask about your AKAs. So I was hoping that with the intro, you could also do your AKA if that's not copyright infringement. Well, while he, while he gathers oh, his, okay. I'll go. And plus yeah. minor, I don't have that many. So <laughs> okay. my name is Sean Richardson. Uh, I'm a high school social studies teacher. Uh, I'm also involved with a couple of different arts organizations here in Reno. Shout out to the Holland Project. Uh, I'm on the City Arts and Culture Commission uh involved with the poetry collective called spoken views i'm in a band called seven out we have our podcast up in the mix 
Uh, we like to just highlight people and promote good things within our community, uh, promote civic engagement. Uh, the, you know, the, high, the history teacher me is always coming out. Uh, my AKAs are uh, Sean, AKA the truth, because I always keep it real and say things like, like they are. Uh, a fraternity brother called, started calling me that back in, in college one time. <laughs> I, and, and this was all in good fun. I was having too much fun at a party and my friend wrote the truth in permanent marker on my hand. And then I like went around slapping people and I was like, the truth hurts. <laughs> so it just, it just, that's that's, it just stuck, it just stuck from there. And uh, the other one is the NAR, Mr. R. And uh, one of my students, my first year teaching wrote that uh, on the, on my board one day, he was like, Mr. R is NAR. Cause they all called me Mr. R. And I just thought I like, that was my Facebook cover photo for a while. I just had that printed cause it was intimidating teaching high schoolers and they thought I was cool and wasn't ruining their education. So that was a win. <laughs> Big back, win. Yeah, back before I was a veteran teacher and um, not the black dude you thought I was is the last one. <laughs> Just because uh, over the years, there's a, a propensity from people of the Caucasian persuasion <laughs> to mistake me for other black men here in Reno. Uh, in college, it was this guy, Eric, from Vegas that I never knew forever until like uh, my friend Nicole, who uh, I was uh, roommates with was like, wait a minute, like had to like tell someone that I was me and wasn't the guy that this drunken girl thought I was. We had gotten an argument about who I was. Apparently I didn't know. And then as I've gotten older and grown dreads, a salute to our man, uh, Jamal Tarkington, uh, I get mistaken for him all the time because he's a very famous musician here in Reno and elsewhere and is in several bands and is a DJ and people will argue with me and get mad because I don't recognize them. And I would always be like, man, like it's, he's like, he always thought it was funny. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny because people think I'm, I'm you. you. So like you're the <laughs> famous one. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's funny. I'm not argue, having arguments with people about who I am. I'm like, no, that's not me. Like, I know the guy and sometimes they'll mistake us because he's like, was in a band a long time ago and then is a different band. So it's like three different people I could be because they have like a younger version of him versus the older version of him. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I used to call him racist at the bar. Like, but like, I'm like, that's not him. You're just racist. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, they don't, they they're black but they don't look like their facial features are different you know so so he started we started a hashtag whenever it would start i'd be hashtag caesar loves racism so if you hashtag caesar loves racism on facebook there's a bunch of different instances where this occurs we started calling them out yeah uh, whenever it happened so that's that's all of my uh nicknames i thought i had something else to share but apparently i don't i really like those yeah so, uh, uh, I'm Caesar, photographer. Uh, I work for the man, you know, a little, little state job, uh, a father, and uh, yeah, just local community helper, I guess, you know, anything people need for the community, I'll down to donate my time or my art or anything like that. And, you know, with the AKAs, so De La Photo, it's, it's a combination of uh, De La Soul, 
and then photo in Spanish, you know? So I put them together because I love hip hop, I love photography. That's how that one started off. Of. That's also his, his alter ego. Ernesto's my alter ego. Well, you're drunk and alter yeah. ego. He's got, it's, it's too hard to keep track. Neighborhood Mexican. So that's once again off of comic books, you know, like Spider Man, like your favorite neighborhood uh, superhero, something like that, you know? So that's how that one came out. Ernesto's my alter ego when I, you know, get a little too lost in the song. Uh, <laughs> Captain Kulo. <laughs> that, Please explain that, this that, one. That, that one came about in a trip to uh, Seattle, actually, to the Northwest. Um, we went to uh, Brisbane, I think it's an island, uh, kind of to get some seafood out there and just to kind of, you know, salute to Ryan, salute to Kyle. Uh, who else went with me? Not pertinent to the story. Yeah, but <laughs> we went to a bookstore. We went to a bookstore and I saw this book about butts, but like P. Diddy did it. He was like, I produced the book or something. So he produced the book I about butts? But just butts. Okay. Yeah. And so I bought it and the lady uh, that rang me up, she's like, I just bought this for my husband two days ago. And I was like, you're awesome. And everyone's all looking at me all weird. I'm like talking to this lady about butts and I, we get out of the thing and Ryan was like, you're like Captain Kulo. <laughs> like, you just talk to anybody about butts. And I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> and then uh, Coach. Coach goes. Are you really gonna go through all of them? You want me to? You went through all yours. I only have four. We gotta hear them. We gotta hear them. I definitely. I can't wait till the tracksuit poppy. Okay, but uh, <laughs> but coach, just like riding BMX, you know, I would like tell people what to do, and they would end up doing the trick. Mister Brunch, I love brunch. Give me those pasty colors, you know, and some, uh, you know, eggs bennies. Little mimosa. <laughs> Some mimosas going on. Yeah. You local also, you know, a local brown guy. The Bobby with the dad body. So that was even before I had the kid, you know. I already had the dad body in full. You were just getting prepared. <laughs> yeah. Before it was cool. <laughs> the brown man in the yacht club, because for some reason I always get allowed into like weird, you know, awesome events like that. And they're like, why are you like the only brown guy in here? Because he's a photographer. Yeah. He looks official. Right. <laughs> One of the gente, you know, man of the people, uh, the habitual line crosser. I like to push the envelope a little bit, you know? <laughs> the honey manager, was it Rachel that gave that to me? Yeah, it was, it, was the, fuck. it was in the- It does what he wants. That's his, that's his spirit animal. Yeah. The fucking baby whisper because, uh, Babies like me for some reason, pretty tight. And then tracksuit Poppy, you know, always, you know, having the tracksuits on deck. And then now that I'm a dad, <laughs> it just fits, you know? It's like the dad bot. I was preparing for this, you know, the stage of my life, you know? Gets a little tighter as you zip it over the belly. It gets a little tighter after like some all-you-can-eat sushi. <laughs> <laughs> he was born with these things. Other people merely adopted them. <laughs> Just, just in my DNA. The originator of the dad bod. Built different. Yeah, we are. So there, that's the AKAs, you know? Thanks. And a world traveler, you know? And street photographer. Have y'all had ever walked through your AKAs like that before? No, it was hilarious to hear his like that. 
because he's added to it throughout the <laughs> three years we've been doing it and just remembering like how these came about because like he doesn't give himself the you know these like other people will say this and then he'll just adopt it and become it yeah i i really like him um i like how you do it on every episode um so it's just people get you know they hear him and they're like okay yep uh-huh uh-huh now I, yeah. they're, they're my friends too and I don't know. Maybe I'm taking this too far because it's like kind of it's very, uh, you know, emo of me. But I feel like AKAs are like empowering, right? Like they're your they're the things that make you feel a little like I don't know, badass they're or just like yeah, they're a little bit about your character, yeah, you know? and not necessarily your whole character, but a fraction of it or yeah. something. I think they they help you define your personal identity. Yeah. Um, like, because they're usually not given to you or they're from something that other people remember you. They're like a part of your personality that other people enjoy or other people remember you for. And they, you know, share that with you and you kind of adopt it. And, you know, because when you're younger, like when I was getting these, you don't always, you're not always that good at recognizing yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. how you, especially how others might perceive you. And I think AKAs help clarify how other people perceive you. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best when like you're at a bar and someone just yells out Captain Kulo from across <laughs> the bar, and then everyone just stops and you're just like, <laughs> I know I get called Captain Kulo all the time in bars, so I can relate. <laughs> uh, I I definitely had a phase in my life where I had a lot of uh, um, Spanish. AKAs because I spent, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I speak fluent Spanish and I worked uh, quite a few years at a Mexican restaurant in Reno. And I, yeah, so my, a lot of my life was in the Spanish language. So which restaurant? Um, it shall not be named. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you offline. It's, uh, it's, it's, I need to do a podcast about it. They really, it's uh, like Damn. yeah, 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 yeah. Damn. I mean, I spent like three great years there and then they, they did me a little dirty, but I came out of there with some really cool nicknames, probably some also like really inappropriate, like mean nicknames, but like also some inappropriate, probably misogynistic well, a, a little bit, a little bit. But, uh, but, uh, Weta Pachanguera came out of that. That was fun. I, I really owned that for a while. That means, uh, white, white party girl. Yeah. Um, and they had, there's like an actual song and stuff. So I really owned that for a while, but yeah, I think AKAs are super empowering. And even, you know, like obviously the other, uh, or the black dude, you think you, what, what is it? black dude you thought I was yeah it, like that's obviously not empowering but the fact that you're taking and be like no no I'm gonna tell you that I'm the black dude you thought or not I'm not the black dude you thought I was I feel it's, it's like no I own this thanks it happened so often I wouldn't even have to do it I would walk yeah. away and my friends would do it for me because it was just it was so comical how often it happened and they yeah. wouldn't, it was like, I wasn't the expert on me. I had to have, <laughs> like, I had to have my friends be my blue check to let them know that I was official and like, like no, no, that, no, that's it. Yeah. You're like, wait, like, no, am I? At this point, I'm confused. Am I the black dude? They think Wish we had me? Wikipedia pages so I could just like do that and like pull it up. Yeah. Um, let's talk about how your podcast was born. 
So when Caesar started, Caesar that, came up with that idea. Yeah, yeah. we were we were just kind of like because we would always like kind of be drunk and yelling at each other, but like having a conversation. It just <laughs> sounded we were yelling because we were drunk, but we would like listen to allegedly. Yeah, we would listen to each other's facts, you know, and be like, "All right, that's cool," you know. I understand that. I feel that. But this is my point of view, you know, and yeah. we would always have a, a good banter uh, like at public house, you know. So we were neighbors uh, like in Reno. We basically lived kind of across. He lived like in an alley above a bar and I lived in an apartment complex across the street. And there was a bar kind of kitty corner between us, but Reno public house. And we hung out there all the time. And these I mean, basically, it was like, you know, classic French salons where we're having super <laughs> high level uh, debates and discussions mm -hmm, with uh, mm -hmm. other intellectuals from the area about, you know, very important issues in life, like sports or mostly music, pop music yeah. and uh, pop culture things that were happening and the, you know, the the legitimacy of Drake's music or <laughs> right. you know, serious uh, as Upstanding, you know, gentlemen, we are, you know, yes. serious conversation. Gentlemen right, right. scholars. Fitting, yes, the scholars that you know, we are and our friends with the company we keep. So. Yeah. Are we wearing cardigans and puffing on a pipe? Not like a weed pipe, uh, but like white, white teas and cigars for me. Yeah, white teas and cigars for him, khakis, or <laughs> not khakis, uh, Cortez's and a hoodie with for me. Yeah. yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, lost in various stages of loss in the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he came up with the idea and yeah there was a a uh, an actual workshop on podcasting at the Holland Project and the guy that put it on works for the Reynolds School of Journalism uh, here at the University of Nevada Reno and that, like one of the podcasters that presented was like this really specific podcast about geology and they were like yeah like we just started this you know me and my other geology friends and we're the number one geology podcast in the country we have like five thousand dollars a month and we were like wow these guys did this themselves and we on got geology exactly yeah <laughs> like we have way more interesting things to talk about than plate tectonics and you know the age of rocks and other things that geologists might you know discuss exactly you know so um, you know, we dabble in science, but we got gems as well, you know. <laughs> oh my god. But we've <laughs> Dang. Um, we've, we've known each other for a long time. Like me and Shannon, his brother, we were like in the same grade. And so we graduated same time and he went to Vegas. I went to Vegas too for school. And then so we've like known each other for a while, but as soon as like we both started living at Midtown, we just formed like Voltron, you know? Yeah. Dang. And at first, cause you even said beforehand, you said uh, that, because I'm gonna put a picture of this online. Your background is so sick. Your studio is awesome. And you said when you first started, you were in your backyard. And so how yeah, did so you, yeah. We practiced, we were like, we wanted to make sure, you know, we were good. And I, we had some friends that listened to podcasts. So uh, at the time I lived in a house with a couple of uh, friends and we, it, it's a super nice deck in the backyard. And it was the summertime in Reno, as you know, they're, they're gorgeous. So mm -hmm. we would sit out there and, and get lost in the sauce and practice. And, you know, we were like thinking long-term, this is going to work in the winter time. 
and uh, we had a spare bedroom in my house that wasn't really used for anything. Um, and we started recording in there eventually. And uh, once we got into a rhythm and then we also launched our radio show at around the same time with uh, the community radio station here. So uh, it kind of morphed from like the spare bedroom that had like a TV in there and nothing. And we got a couch in there and set it up so it would be conductive to doing interviews and having guests and us sitting in there recording for hours at a time. And uh, I have, I work with a, an art gallery music venue and uh, I do an art show there every year and I buy art. And so I kind of had an art collection and started adding to it to just deck out the, the room for our guests to feel cool. And then we were like, if we ever record this, this will look super cool. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to create a comfortable environment. I mean, we were started as we interviewed more and more people, more people who weren't just our friends. I was like, this needs to be a comfortable place for someone we don't know. They're coming to my house. Yeah. And so someone who doesn't know us to feel comfortable coming in, uh, we tried to make it look comfortable yet still professional. Like we know what we're, do we're doing. And uh, when I started looking for a house last year, uh, my girlfriend and I were moving in together. I was like, I want a space where we can do this, but um, still keep the same vibes. So mm -hmm. luckily that we found like our, our dream house, like two <laughs> blocks from where I lived and it had a basement that I spent, you know, all of quarantine preparing and fixing up to, to do this. That's great. Evolution, it's like a slow evolution. Yeah. But, you know, now with everything because we were going to start filming like last year 2020 but you know quarantine came so everything was kind of like ready in the pocket ready to you know make some moves and stuff happen so it just kind of just you know put on pause mm -hmm. and now you know we got a, we got an awesome space to hang out and goof around you know it's still not in its final form yeah that's yeah. the great thing you know i, I know to get better and uh, continue to improve so yeah. And I mean, it probably will never be because you'll have new ideas and, you know, new, you know, thoughts on where to put your guests and what you want to show people. So it's like, it's cool that it's just like fluid. Um, something you said that was funny to me was you said that you practiced and I actually didn't practice at all. And I was like, oh, maybe I should have done that. <laughs> but um, I, um you know, you've been at it since 2017 and it's obviously a journey. Like I'm sure the quality of your podcasts have changed the, the way, you know, you have your intro and then a middle part and an end part. And for me though, all of those things, like I just created a lot of excuses as to like it not working or it would slow me down. Cause it wasn't perfect at the beginning. Did you all feel that way? Or how did you like plunge through that? So when we practice, we interview like our friend Megan and just to kind of like see how we, we would interview because we know we wanted to talk to people. Mm -hmm. and that, was, that was like our third practice one. We started yeah. off just each other because yeah. we were like, mm -hmm. it's just the two of us talking for an hour. How is this going to work? <laughs> so like the first two or three was just the two of us talking about stuff and we like sent it out to people to get their feedback. Yeah. And then it slowly uh got a form to it it didn't have it at the beginning so we were just like how are we going to break this up so we could like get up 
because sometimes you're like sitting down, you know, like our nine to fives, we sit down a lot. So, mm -hmm. you know, to break that up, to get a drink, to go to the bathroom, whatever the situation is, and it's slowly evolved to, you know, what it is now where we do the interview uh, break. Uh, we talk about culture stuff, pop, pop culture, anything like that. And then we end off once again with the, with our guest. And it just evolved that way slowly by trial and error practice. And, you know, what we thought would fit our flow and it just fits mm -hmm. it pretty well. I, I didn't realize how better we had, how much, I mean, how better we were until uh, over this last Christmas break, uh, a friend of mine asked me to, because we have over a hundred episodes and he was like, do you have like some essential episodes? Like if I wanted to jump in uh, to kind of get a, mm. an idea of what it's about or your favorite ones. And I was like, huh, that's, so I reached out to a couple of people I know that listened to them all and asked them their favorites. And then I like went through and listened to snippets and like, I couldn't even listen to our first five or six episodes because it's so different. We're all over the place. <laughs> and where we are now and we weren't dialed in at all. And we were kind of sporadic with our recording and like the format and what we wanted to do. But I think after the first few months, we really got locked in uh, in the, the winter of 2018. And I think between like January and May that year, we recorded a podcast every single weekend, except for like two or three in a five month span. And that's when we really got locked in to, to how we wanted to approach it. And a friend of ours was like, you guys, because we would play music sometimes or talk about music. He's like, you guys should just each of you play a song each week and, and mm -hmm. kind of review it. And that can be like your breaks. And I was like, that per works perfectly. Well, so let's do my man, Johnny, Johnny Trevino, uh, AKA hip hop, Johnny. He's the one that he suggested that to me. And I was like, that's a great idea. You know, so then that, because we wanted to be about music, but we weren't sure how to incorporate it all the time. So, um, and since we had the radio show, we're playing the music anyway. And we're like, okay, we'll, we'll like highlight a song each week and discuss it or break it down or review it if it's new or talk about the anniversary or a milestone and, mm -hmm. and it reached the current form. It's a good form. Oh, my Google just went off. That was weird. Did you hear her? She's like, I didn't understand. <laughs> I ask her weird questions sometimes, but she needs to shut up. I'm on a podcast right now. <laughs> Mama's working. <laughs> Google mama working. <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, yeah. I, I think it's so fascinating because it's, it is, it can be a total, I like that you have each other too. So you can kind of push each other like, Hey, can mm -hmm. we record today? Cause it's really, it's a lot to just be a one person and be like, okay, I have to get a guest. So that's the kind of person that pulls me. Like I, I said, a okay, recording on Sunday. So that means the podcast keeps moving forward, but I, I bet it's nice to have each other where you kind of keep each other going. It's good. Cause we play off each other, you know, like our chemistry is good. Um, and with both of us, it's easy to get guests, you know, because mm -hmm. we, we know a lot of the same people, but a lot of different people. Yeah. And that just keeps keeps the guests rolling in. And we majority do guests like in a month. It's about, you know, three weeks guests, one week us usually, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it just works out that way. We've had a couple other people help out. Like uh, at the we first started my roommate because he was just kind of hanging around. Uh, we like roped him into being our stat guy who would like look <laughs> up stuff. But uh, 
it like he wasn't he didn't really want to be a part of it i don't think we kind of peer pressure to him into doing it for a while. real quick and then it kind of dwindled down yeah um it is a lot of work and it wasn't mm-hmm. you know he didn't he wasn't involved and he did with the, the planning and didn't know what we were doing so we had another friend that helped out for a while too and um you know like it would be cool to get we don't want like a third host but someone like a producer like i think that's what we really want it's like a producer mm-hmm. but i mean when we make money maybe we can hire one. <laughs> yeah yeah or when someone pays us to do this they'll provide us with one yeah, that's going to be like the West Coast Jesus Amaro, basically. Amazing. Wait, I don't know who that is. Who is that? What? Oh. Well, I was uh, gonna. The you Bodega know. Boys. They're on. They have their own. They have a show on Showtime. They used to be on Vice. They have the number one show at Late Night. Oh, I don't see Jesus Amaro. They're called the Bodega Boys. They had a podcast. Okay. They're both from the Bronx. Yeah, they do podcasts every now and then, but like mainly television now. Yeah, they they've mm-hmm. gone from. Uh, like interviewing their friends in the Bronx to they inter- they sat down with Obama about his book a yeah. couple months ago. So they got from Twitter. Yeah, they started on Twitter, and uh, like obviously we're big fans of theirs and yeah. um, inspiration to they're, us. They're yeah. definitely inspired. That you know they're two uh, black and brown men who have a podcast and they're you know unfiltered. They're themselves, but they still you know talk about important things and they interview mm-hmm. people. the most important people in the world now and, and they started off you know uh in the bronx just doing their thing so I, we we wanted to do that put reno on the map and you know a, a rising tide makes all the other boats float as well and we're trying to do that for reno yeah that's great i'll have to check them out i should i should probably know who they are oh dang it Okay, I'll work on it. <laughs> Don't feel bad. It's fine. There's just um, so much podcasts and so much stuff out now. Don't worry about it. There is. And um, so there's somebody who, I guess, influenced you. And you asked me a couple of awesome questions when I was your guest. But what other podcasts influence what you do? I really liked uh, the Combat Jack show. RIP to Combat Jack. He used to be a lawyer, like a music lawyer for like hip hop artists and stuff like that. And he hated it because he was like screwing over hip hop artists and that's what he loved. So he ended up making a show with some of his friends and some of his friends was like Just Blaze, this uh, this guy Dallas Penn, Premium, Premium P. And they kind of did like a show, DJ Ben Hamid, where they would just talk about hip hop stuff and they would ask questions that I would ask like Red Man or you know Sean Price anything like that so it like it connected with me a lot because they would just ask stuff I would ask them but mm-hmm. I just never had that chance and since he was a music lawyer he knew so many people in the industry he interviewed like little brother and everybody like that um the music that we love and that was like definitely one of the biggest inspirations to me was Combat Jack. Now, I have been listening to podcasts since I graduated college. My mm-hmm. first job uh, was in an office working at a desk in a fucking cubicle, which was terrible. And um, I used to listen to sports podcasts. Bill Simmons, this famous sports writer from Boston, uh, was doing podcasts. This was like 2005, 2006. And I would listen to his podcast and he eventually 
branched out and started, he now has his own network of podcasts called The Ringer. Um, and they have podcasts and everything from sports to pop culture to politics. They've partnered with 538 for political coverage. Um, so it's huge. They have, you know, and just from that, I've got, was my entry point. So um, I listen now, uh, Jalen and Jacoby, which is a mostly a basketball podcast with Jalen Rose. Um, I love Bomani Jones podcast. I listen to uh, every week. Um, there's another one called Higher Learn. It's the podcasts I listen to are mostly like black and brown voices that talk about issues that I, I care about. And uh, mm -hmm. that's what inspires me because they're giving their point of view. And I think in the past, that wasn't always the case. Like my girlfriend mm -hmm. listens to um, podcasts on like that featuring women, like that represent her and her views and give mm -hmm. her perspective. And I um, saw that and I was like, I'm going to enjoy these because I don't get to hear people who look and sound like me um, and have my ideas and thoughts in the, you know, these official spaces on networks mm -hmm. for the most part. So uh, podcasting is a place to go and you can hear diverse perspectives and you can hear uh, different, if you're not, you know, in the mainstream of thought or you have a niche, like I'm really into basketball and hip hop. So I, I tend to uh, gravitate towards those. I think YouTube, like, you could hear anybody's voice on there. Anybody could put their thoughts out there. And so it doesn't matter what you're into. It's the free market of ideas. Yes, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I do, I, the representation part is so important. And I definitely compliment you both for, you know, having a show that does that for black and brown voices. And, you know, especially growing up in Reno, like, probably weren't a ton of those uh, growing up. And so I think it shows such a progress in our hometown and B, just like, you know, you being leaders in your community. I think it's great. Yeah, it's definitely opened up doors for us that yeah. you never would have even looked for if it wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then how do you, you asked me this question and I just loved answering it. And so I'd love to extend it back, which is, um, how do you go about picking the guests for your show? Sometimes it's like, if we know someone who say is opening a business or we have a, someone, we know someone who's opening a new business and we're like, okay, we'll wait a few months and we'll have them on. Cause we want to highlight that business. We want to support mm -hmm local businesses, we want to support our friends. We also want to, you know, give people a chance to, you know, every business has a story. We want to, you know, give people a chance to share their stories. So sometimes it's that, sometimes it's just people we find interesting. Mm -hmm. And a few mm -hmm. times we've had people um, like hit us up. We had this uh, musician from Vegas. She was in town to perform at Reno's Earth Day uh, event. And she was there for literally, six hours her friend in Vegas listened to the podcast she messaged us and was like I would love to come on and, and talk with you guys so she did her performance took a lift to my house did our interview and left and flew back to Vegas and uh so we've had you know other people you know, sometimes you have to coax people to come on mm -hmm. but other times people will actually hit us up and be like hey I'd love to come on and, and talk about whatever yeah and it's all about the story it's all about the guest and if you know you know, we like it and things like that, then of course we're going to give you some shine, you know? Mm -hmm. we, we, we also want to make sure their values align mm -hmm. with ours. Like, right. And um, 
are, you know, a lot, we do some, sometimes where we, like we've done election breakdowns where we literally go through the local ballot and talk about the ballot questions and the different people, candidates running for office. And, you know, we try to be informative sometimes. Sometimes they're funny. Like we did a wine tasting and got wasted with a, a wine expert who took us through uh, different Chardonnays. Chardonnays and explain, you know, <laughs> educated us online and we recorded it. So, yeah. you know, we, we try and make them entertaining. Sometimes they're very serious and mm -hmm. sometimes they're not at all. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I, I love it. And I, I've enjoyed a lot of your episodes. I think that they are, they are, they are entertaining and they, they do ask one in one way or another to be civic minded or in some ways have a truth written on your hand and smack you in the face, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where it's like, you know, I'm listening to something that's going to make me really think, which is people, we need that. Um, and you do it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people want to listen and it's like sitting and having fun with your pals. Um, okay. So the podcast is amazing. You also have a radio show. So how did that like spin up? So Caesar and I in summer of 2017, we're practicing, preparing to launch the podcast. We're getting a website together, doing like trying to come up with a name, look like we're getting it together, getting, we were like, we're going to launch it this fall. And I'm on the board at the Holland project, the, the venue I mentioned before. And they had partnered with KUNR and um, the Reno Bike Project. They had got this grant to start a community radio station. And they were looking for on like people to be DJs and make shows. So they reached out to me. They knew my love of music. And um, it was, I think it was literally the week after we had like officially launched our website and put out like our first pre five pre-recorded podcasts. That same week, I got the email and met with the, the director of K-Wink Radio about they were launching Halloween. So this was like middle of October. They were launching uh, Halloween night and we, he was like, um, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. I was like, I would love to do a radio, a hip hop radio show where we play like, like the music we like that we would want to hear on the radio. And they were like, you can play whatever you want. So I went to Caesar. I was like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> like, they're going to let us play. And I'm like, I was like, can we do a two hour show? And he was like, the more, the better. <laughs> they were just starting out. They needed more people. Content, content, yeah. Yeah. We didn't realize, I didn't realize at the time, like the amount of time this was going to take. But the idea of us being us, and again, that took, we, that the form of that evolved over time. But um, we, we launched a week later. Um, at first we were on Wednesday nights and our show was popular and it was good and people enjoyed it. So uh, then we moved to Saturday nights and now like, and now we're on Friday, like yeah. for the last two years, we've been on every Friday night from nine to 11. Mm -hmm. um, and That's it's kind of started like a hip, a hip hop block. We have a friend of ours who's a DJ has a show after yeah. us. Uh, this other uh, younger woman, uh, you and our student has a show, a hip hop show before us. So it's kind of a Friday nights have turned into this hip hop R&B reggae block of uh, music. And we're kind of like the anchor. Yeah, I was just surprised we could play whatever. I was like, whatever we want. And Sean was like, as long as there's no cussing in there. So we've played stuff 
like off mixtapes we've played stuff that will never be on the radio otherwise you know Mm -hmm. we give shine obviously to our friends that do music as well and just to have that power you know to play whatever you know we played other stuff as well but like just stuff that nobody like the the masses usually don't get to hear unless you're part of the culture you know and just showing people what we love and not everything you know that's on the radio is good our our show show. (laughs) our show is an an ode to hip-hop culture Mm -hmm. and um we we talked about the history of the music we like to play blues and jazz and soul especially and highlight samples and things that have been reused and recycled over the years um we've done a whole show about punk music and its relationship with hip-hop and how those two things kind of emerged from the same place but different people Mm -hmm. um so we play reggae music because that's the foundation of hip-hop so it's kind of like a a lesson of hip-hop we like to say you know i'm 38 almost 39 caesar's 36 36 we're like we obviously grew up in the 90s we're big like golden era hip-hop fans but we still listen to music now and we gear our show towards people who maybe are older and think hip-hop sucks now and we like to gently but firmly remind them that they're just old (laughs) and Mm hip-hop is for young people yeah and it's changed over time and there's still great music music being made and just because they're not the target demographic doesn't reduce the the quality and the aesthetic and the beauty of of the art hip-hop in reno have always been such a interesting combination so when i got my i went I was in Reno all the way through college and then um, traveled a bunch and really haven't been there since, but except of course to visit family, but um, people have always been confused when they meet me that I'm from Reno because no one knows what Reno or many people outside of Reno don't know what Reno is about. And, uh, you know, I love hip hop and I always represent myself as very hip hop loving and hip hop culture loving. And people are like, but you're from Reno. I don't, what's the, I don't get the thread there. And do you ever have to explain that connection? Like is Reno is great for that. And I I don't know why or how. Reno, Reno is great. It's just because we're small and nobody Mm -hmm. really comes here unless you like ski, snowboard, do the winter activities here, you know, Mm -hmm. but because like, you know, everyone still thinks Reno and Las Vegas is like an hour and a half away from each other outside of like California pretty much you know so to think Reno is not even in their thought process of a city in Nevada like what's it what's what's going to make them think that they're going to know a lot of stuff you know yeah they're going to think we're like you know some hick from the west somewhere you know in the desert but really we do have a lot to offer here and mm-hmm. The other thing is we're two hours from Sacramento yeah. and four hours from the Bay Area yeah, yeah. and tons of Bay Area artists so and true. California artists, like especially in the early 2000s, would come to Reno or at least Tahoe, because who doesn't want to go to Tahoe, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if you're from the Bay Area or, or L.A. and you want to gamble or go. Up, so they would always have a show like if you went on tour on the West Coast, they would a lot of times have a show either in Reno or Tahoe. So uh, the hip hop scene grew from that. And like a lot of uh, local artists 
but also lots of there's lots of trans i'm from the bay area there's lots of bay area transplants that live here mm-hmm. so i think bay area hip-hop has always especially those people have always done shows but as that developed bigger groups started to come through and it's kind of there's not that many venues now so that's kind of changed uh the the outside influence but at the same time there's more local people who are are doing art and we've tried to work with them and promote uh the younger people you know some of these people are 10 15 20 years younger than us but they're doing amazing things and we try and promote that as well Mm -hmm. yeah and i that's another thing that i you know you two feel very synonymous with is community and highlighting people and art and activities in your community. And I, I'd love a few minutes talking about that and say Caesar to borrow a, a term, um, you know, give that some shine um, <laughs> is, um, you know, how do you, you know, what are some of the things that you celebrate and promote in your community and also why is it so important to you both? So for me, traveling a lot, you go to other cities and you see how tight knit, like the community of like hip hop and artists and things like that. So, and Reno was like that and it like, you know, kind of faded away a little bit, but now we're getting back and stronger than ever, especially um, there's so many great artists here, so much great music that we need to help each other. And like Sean said, like the rising tide, you know, it helps everyone. And Reno definitely has a lot to offer um, hip hop and the art community in general. Like when friends come into town and visit, they're like, this is what's happening in Reno. And they're like, they get very excited about it and they come back and visit more often. And it's just like, cause we have, we're in a good spot. We're like so close to the Bay area, you know, the Northwest and like, the Southwest, we're like a good mixture of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And Reno is like a good melting pot of this awesome artistic community that does amazing things. Mm-hmm. And I think um, just time and place. Um, Reno has grown and we were, were like the first generation that was here to witness kind of the birth of the art scene here. And I guess the arts have developed, there's a community and also like the revival of Midtown, like I, I've lived here for off and on for the last 12 years in this area of town, which is definitely, there's a lot of local business and everyone's around our age and all these people who have opened businesses, they've opened art galleries, they've opened um, music venues and bars. So it's kind of created a sense of community. You know, when I wouldn't, when I moved across from Caesar for the first time, like, it felt like, you know, you see in movies or TV shows where people live in this urban environment in the city and it's a neighborhood and everyone yeah. knows everyone. Like when you go places, like it still had that Reno vibe, but it was within the, the community, people like-minded. They're young, mm-hmm. they're into the arts, they're progressive, they're open-minded, they're into like uh, lo- helping out local people. They're you know, focused on local businesses and making the local environment better and making sure, you know, all of these progressive ideas, whether it's green energy, renewable energy, uh, promoting people of color and underrepresented um, communities and just equality. And I think it was just so cool. And just to, to the kind of like 
been a part of this and witnessed it firsthand. And mm -hmm. like we joked, we had some friends on uh, that live in Texas that used to live here. And they like the thing they miss is that sense of community where you go to a bar, you go to a restaurant um, and everyone, you know, you know all these people and you've grown up with them and you've experienced these things and you support each other. And that's really what we've tried to highlight as the podcast has evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think about like going home for the holidays and literally everyone you know is in the same bar, um, you know, and it's just like, it feels so good. Uh, and I'm sure it's changed. I don't know what bar it would be uh, th these days, but um, it, it does feel so good to just see so many faces of people, you know, and I, we were talking about this on your podcast, like, the people that are from Reno are, in general are pretty great. You know, there's just this, like, it's, for me, it's been a symptom of being not too big and not too small, um, you know, diverse enough, but with room to grow. Um, and you just, there are enough people that you can learn about each other and backgrounds and care about each other in a, and it feels like a small setting. Would you agree? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're biased. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love the people here. Yeah. But, you know, for a while, that bar you talk about was the bar across the street from where we lived. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Saint, you was know, it St. James, right? Well, kind of. Well, like, St. James, public. Because yeah. there's like three yeah. or four, but they're all within right like there. a semicircle surrounding where we lived <laughs> yeah. within walking distance. So, like, what would be a normal Friday night of us just like having some drinks might turn into. You know, seeing a bunch of people like on holidays, like the night before Thanksgiving, like, yes. and you're like, I'm going to go just walk down there and I might see 20 people I haven't mm. seen in 10 years. Yep. Who, you know, I, I love and, and I'm going to have a great time with. Yeah. The I night before Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. The night before Thanksgiving <laughs> is so crazy. Like, like everyone's in town and that's the night, you know, they, they get, people get there into town specifically early to go out that one night and then the rest of the weekend with their family. But yeah, it's just, it's awesome. Little community feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And tell me more about the Holland project. Cause I, I learned about it through following you um, or I've known about it for a few years, but I remember like on Sean's Instagram, like a few years ago, like posting amazing art. And I was like, what's going on over here? Um, so uh, it's, it's, we just interviewed <laughs> one of the founders yesterday. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. He, again, he's married to like a friend of mine from middle school. Um, he's from Carson. They have a he. They have a bar. Him and his partner have a bar. We talked to them, and he was in a bunch of punk bands in the mid two thousands, and it started his own little independent record label. And again, back then there wasn't a lot of uh, music venues or places for young people to hang out. So uh, our uh, our friend Britt, she had gone to Seattle and. There's this thing called the Vera Project there, which is like a youth-centered space where you know creatives can hang out. And so, and they wanted to recreate that here. So, long story long, it's <laughs> evolved over the last 15 years to from like a shitty little building, little venue, little venue to now like they own the building. It's a nonprofit. Uh, the building has an art gallery with an art director. It has a music uh, space with a music director. Um, they're partnered with all sorts of arts organizations in the city and the state. And uh, Britt has really built this with a lot of other people. And we were talking yesterday, it's amazing. So all the people involved now are community leaders. You know, they were in their 
mid to late 20s when they started this. And uh, many of them have gone on to own businesses and open business and uh, become leaders within the community. And this institution, like um, I've been on the board of directors for the last six years. I'm about to term out, kind of sad, but for example, during the pandemic, we were able to distribute $75,000 to local artists to help, um, you know, make up for you know, income they had lost. And mm-hmm. we host all sorts of things on, you know, political reform and election. Like uh, they had, we had events for um, registering voters and they work with the school district and promote the arts within the school district and partner with them and have, you know, let students within the school district to show their artwork and they will pair them with uh, established artists. But then they also have like super famous and artists come from all over the world and have yeah. their artworks on there. They partnered and they do, they host poetry and they host the poetry collective. And they, we've sent youth and adult poet teams to DC and all over the country to compete. So it's just, it's kind of an all in one place. Um, wow. It's bit, you know, grown over the years and hopefully it will continue to grow. Um, but I think last few years it's really starting to be recognized throughout the community for all the work it's doing and like the fruits of the labor because it's been around long enough now that those kids who grew up in it are now adults and they're going out and doing things amazing things and Mm -hmm. promoting what holland is doing yeah and they become a part of the holland project too so they started there and they still help out there and that just helps out that community feeling once again yeah and both of you are in in jobs or, you know, your, your side hustles, um, that support the community. And I, I think it's so wonderful. Like Sean, every day you're teaching kids, um, and, you know, trying to, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I bet it, well, we should talk about that because that's wild to me. Like teaching in the pandemic is certainly one of the crazier things I can picture. And then especially like parents teaching in the pandemic, there's like kids on both sides, like what's happening? Um, <laughs> there are kids everywhere. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, Caesar with uh, taking photography in the community, like I, I just, you are so, both of you are so interwoven into into that world. And I, I feel like that's actually not extremely common. I feel like people go to work, do their job that most likely doesn't serve their community. And then they go home and do other things that most likely don't serve their community. That's a very like dark cloud way to think about it. But I feel like you guys are just all of your tentacles are just like community. Well, I mean, you know, if you love what you do, you're not working. So it's it's good to have synergy in life. And, you know, if, if everything you're doing in life is congruent to your purpose and what you want to do, it, it makes life a lot more enjoyable. And I, yeah. I know Caesar, look, I know Caesar bitches about his, his office job, but he does work with people and help, you know, some of our most vulnerable people through his job, yeah. even though it's mm-hmm. just, he does it and uh, he works in an environment and for an entity that <laughs> is frustrating to work yes. within, but he, he, he downplays the fact that, you know, he's no, like, doing his best to help people yeah, I like, work through this shitty system. Yeah, that's, that's the best thing about my job is helping helping the people, people mm-hmm. that need it the most. And that's like the best part, talking to them, talking to their story, because my mom, she was a single mom growing up. So like I was, you know, in the same situation when I was younger. 
And it's just, it's great to help people that really need it. But mm -hmm. once you, you know, government agency and things like that, you know, it definitely, you know, drags. But the best part is just helping everyone. Like when people are just so grateful for, you know, what little, little I help them with, it just makes me very happy, you know, that helping out somebody else. And, we, and through that, we see, I mean, we're both involved with huge state agencies that are ostensibly designed to benefit people and being so close, me with education, him within the state uh, support system, we see how inadequate they are and how they're underfunded and how they could be if they were properly funded, funded and designed to actually reach people. So we, and we see the, the problems that arise from it. I, I mean, I, I see, I've worked in Title I schools my entire career and you just see the effects of poverty. We both see the, the lowest, um, like most powerless people of, of our society every day in our job mm -hmm. and the effect that the, so I don't know how you couldn't be motivated to try and make it better somehow. As little, whatever little you can do. Use your powers for good. You know, mm -hmm. even if our mm -hmm. powers are meager, you know, you got to start somewhere. That That's such a good reminder because at the same time, you know, when I, um, you know, I'm involved in a foundation and a few things as well. And it can be overwhelming though. You see, you see how in some circles, things can be efficient. It's usually because they have money or resources. And then you see what you're speaking about, which is just a lot of, you know, it moving like molasses, a lot of bureaucracy. And it's a bit for me, at least uh, paralyzing where you're like, I don't even know where to start. And that's gotta be. Well, that's the thing you mm -hmm. start, you know, hip hop is about community, it, you know, and you, we start with like people wanted to have shows, you know, we, our friends are musicians and it starts with like, where can we play shows? And so like the Holland project especially has that DIY attitude of like, we, they created this thing because it wasn't there mm -hmm. and it was solving a personal problem for them. And through that process, they got exposed to the apparatuses of the city and the state and the county. And then they've done a good job of like seeing other people and like bringing us through. So like, you know, our, we didn't start here. Like it started, you know, I started working with the poetry collective and got introduced to all of this stuff through them. Caesar does art, you know, takes photos and is involved in the art world. And that's kind of his connecting point. And from there, you start to see these people who, because they just want to share their art, they had to get involved in politics or because of who they are, they wanted to make things better for their community. And so it starts at the local level. You know, we're heavily involved with, um, I mean, local issues even more so than we want to be because it's, I mean, there's a lot of pettiness and there's a lot of just small mindedness and, mm -hmm. um, but it, it can make a huge difference. And we see so many of our friends out there doing great things for our community. Cause Reno's not, it's not, it hasn't gotten big, too big where it can seem overwhelming. Like one person can make a significant difference and you can see the fruits of your lab, labor more easily. And I think uh, more and more people are getting involved, especially with the way things have been the last 12 years. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that your story is also telling me that you know, no place is too big either. Like you're right. It's probably maybe less overwhelming because you can see 
the, you know, the end gets closer distance to making an impact. But, you know, I have a friend in San Francisco who walks her dog and has one of those like pincher things. And she picks up trash on every single dog walk, which is like, you know, three dog walks a day. And I just feel like, you know, if everybody just picks something that they can chip away at, if we're all doing it, if you, you know, you zoom out and it's like, wow, we've all made such a difference. It lightens the load. If everyone does a little bit, it lightens the load for the whole society. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I, and your, your approach is great. I mean, it, it can, your approach would be great in many if it was a variety of approaches, but I, I love how you're having fun, you're getting people's voices heard. And it just feels like you're sitting with, like we talked about earlier, like your friends and you're just like solving shit together. And it's like, Hey, it's not a big deal. We're just like doing it together. Yeah. It goes back to that community thing. Yeah. All politics is local. Yeah. And ultimately that's what you have to remember it in, you know, from getting involved, and from the uh, examples we've seen across this country the last few years, the bar is really low for leadership and the <laughs> bar is really low uh, to, for people to get into these positions. And we need uh, different people. We need mm -hmm. different ideas. We need new ideas. We need younger people to, to get involved and make you know, a difference whenever, wherever they can and however they can. You know, Everyone has their lane. You just got to find it and, and start moving in it. Yeah. And I was going to say, how did you find your lane? But as I understand it, you know, you followed your, your passions, hip hop and art. Oh, yeah. Follow your heart. Our lanes found us. We were already in them. We just didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brain explosion. It's like, it's like they say, like, don't change for the world, the world will come to you. Like the things we've loved, we've always loved. They're catching up to and, us. And it, it just so happened that it aligned that these things are, are pop, more popular or more accessible or more people are into them now. And we've, you know, it's just fortuitous. Yeah. Place and time meets yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And I would love to chat um, about how the last year has been crazy on the impact that y'all are trying to make. And Sean, I'd especially love to know about it through, um, through teaching and then Caesar through, well, through your nine to five, as you said, and then also, um, taking pictures. I mean, what a just like upside down for the last year. And like, I don't know, what was your experience? So me, like my nine to five, they sent me home. So like to work from home. Mm -hmm. So that, that connection with people, you know, I do miss, mm -hmm. but I still get to talk to them on the phone every day. And for me shooting photos, like I like to do a lot of street photography and just documenting the world and just funny things that happen or like coincide. And now with everybody inside a lot, it's just harder for me to tell the story of like my city or where I'm going mm -hmm. and it's just been it's been really tough just because you know it's understandable we gotta you know keep our distance to help each other out yeah and but but yeah I do miss that interaction with like the people in my nine to five like 
not necessarily co-workers but like <laughs> but like the people, the, the people I'm, I'm working for it necessarily you know because mm-hmm. you know like I'm, pro- I'm providing the service for people that really need it mm-hmm. and that interaction it take it takes a lot of the blow because sometimes they feel better talking to someone face to face than someone over the phone you know and, and can you share what what you do in your nine to five so I work uh, at the welfare office, you know, Okay. so I help people with like food stamps and things like that yeah. and Medicaid. And I try my best wow. to get everyone what they need, you know, especially now, you know, like, and like you said, there's a lot of bureaucracy, there's crazy policies and a lot of people can't, they don't, they don't understand why things work mm-hmm. at like this, that state level. They're like, why am I not doing this and this and this? And I try my best to explain policy to them. Wow. And then I definitely got a lot of great feedback from people saying, I came into this phone conversation super hot, but how you explain stuff to me, I could see why, you know? And, and it's just like, yeah, like our manual's online, but it's super hard to read. Right. Like we had we had to go to training for eight months to even decipher policy. And just like any bureaucracy stuff, it's like there's so much gray area. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily like black and white. And so it's just also educating people. It's just like, yeah, this this is why we could help you. But if this happens, we can't anymore. And this is just policy. Like, you know, and they're like, how do we get that changed? And I was like, vote you know like yeah and they're like really and I was like yes like you vote and you know you even though you don't think it counts it feels like it doesn't count because of everything that goes on but like once again if we all do our part it lightens the load on everybody else Mm -hmm. so but yeah and that's an issue that I feel like you know these there's different people different politicians who support these programs and some are going to fund them more than others mm-hmm. and this hits people in their pocket for their livelihoods mm-hmm. so I, I think that's it's a good point he makes that this is why it's important to be involved and, and be connected with your community mm-hmm. yeah and it's rare uh, okay it's probably it's not rare i i think i'm thinking from a very privileged perspective but the the a bit, you walk in you meet with Caesar and he says, how do you make this better? Go vote. And I'm literally asking for food stamps or whatever it is. That's like, holy shit. Like I am in a position where my life can be changed by voting. And I feel like that's so incredibly powerful versus um, people with many privileges who are like, oh yeah, like probably voting's cool. Um, And so it's like, how do you, how do we all highlight the, the impact that can be made, even if you're not, if you're lucky enough to not be facing that need yeah. instant, you know, that instant so need like, for it. For me, an example, I was like, voting is so important on every one of our forms. It doesn't matter if it's like a brand new application or you're just recertifying or putting in a change. There's a paper to register to vote in every wow. packet. So I was like, this is like how I'm like this. That's how important voting is. It's mm-hmm. like it's on every packet. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And if everyone that you know was in the system voted, 
and they, you know, whoever they vote for is whoever they vote for, but, you know, it'll help them look more into people's uh, political views and stuff like that. Their policy. Than, than party than party yeah you know and it'll yeah. definitely like open people's eyes because sometimes like because we always have open conversations with people like not necessarily at the welfare office but in general and I, i'm like i could see your side you know mm-hmm. i could see like why you want you know less taxes cool you know but do you mm-hmm. see why taxes are important you know mm-hmm. and then go from there and voting at the end of the day it just it just helps out a little bit like i think part of the problems are that our society people don't feel like they have a sense of community mm-hmm. so when you don't have a sense of community it breeds that you know you against everyone else mentality so you act and vote and do things selfishly right. and you develop uh, a way of living that lacks empathy for others and and realize that you know just because you live in your gated community on the outskirts of town, doesn't mean what's going on 10 miles in the downtown area doesn't directly affect you. Like, I think people forget that, you know, these people who don't live in cities forget that everything they do is is supported by cities and by Mm -hmm. these urban centers where there's lots of people, but there's also lots of problems. And they think because they don't live there, they can avoid them and do that on their own. But they're like, I'm like, the whole point of suburbs was that they they support the city. It's mm-hmm. not the other way around. Right. Like they are dependent <laughs> on the city, and I think it has just created this entire class of people that are disconnected from their community in this country, and think that their problems and the problems of the majority of people don't apply to them and don't affect them because their lives aren't directly impacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the people in the suburbs, they go downtown to go eat on the weekends. They come downtown to you know get a cocktail or two right Mm -hmm. but they want to go downtown and have it not be homeless people there you know and then it's just like all right how do we fix that you know it's gonna cost money it costs money it's gonna cost taxes yeah there's gonna be uh like ethical humane ways to deal with these problems but people don't want to hear that they want the easy Mm -hmm. solution that requires the least amount of effort and work from them and disruption of their life and it, it is because they've got this mentality built inside that it does they're not a part of that problem they mm-hmm. they they're completely disconnected from it but it's it, you know that's just one example of part of the divide but i think covid over the last year has really changed that where people are being affected by education and you're seeing like the inadequacies within our education system and the lack of funding and all of a sudden it it affects them directly and now they have a really strong opinion about it, but people within the system have been saying this for years. And you're like, yes, like, why are they spending night? Why is the state spending $90 million on standardized tests in the middle of a pandemic when, you know, we could, I can barely get in touch with some of my students because they don't have internet or they don't have a computer to mm-hmm. interact with. So, and then it just exacerbates existing problems where like the wealthier kids who have engaged, have computer, have Wi-Fi, their parents are gonna be more involved. Those kids are gonna be ultimately fine or better off than the poorest kids who already went to the lowest funding schools, who had the newest, less experienced teachers who were facing more challenges dealing with their students and that it, it just continued and became worse. 
Wow. Yeah, you both have a very clear view into what COVID did to communities. We're part of it. Yeah. We're in it. I mean, every day when I drive to work, I drive by the hospital where they had converted the parking garage into the the COVID <laughs> overflow. <laughs> every single I drove yeah. by that twice a day, every single day, because it's in you know on my commute. So it's it was hard to, you know, I have been teaching in person this entire time. So you have? I didn't realize. Yeah. I mean, last spring we were a uh, distance. But I mean, my cl- school closed because we had an outbreak in the school for two weeks. Mm. But besides that, we've been, my school, because of the population we serve is so vulnerable, we've been open this entire time teaching in person. And we also have students in distance learning. And it's been, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, it's not the same. It's not as good. It's not, but it's the best. We're trying to do the best we can with what we have, mm-hmm. but it could be better and it could have been planned out better. You know, I've lost in this course of this all faith in the leadership of my district and in the school board just by the decisions they've made, opening schools when they did and not closing them when they could have and just seeing like, you know, I only I work at a school with maybe 15 to 17 staff and seeing like three or four of my staff members out at the same time, you know, with COVID. And it's just like, like what is going, you know, like our school is super small. We don't have that many students and we're still having to close and it's still affecting us. And like seeing like parents have to make a tough choice. Like this kid who's doing really well, but has a medical condition that makes him susceptible. So he has to go on distance. And it's just that connection's gone, you know, right. I went from seeing him every day, interacting with him to, okay, now we're doing email and you're working on this online program. I don't have as much contact or influence with him. And it's just, you know, COVID didn't change anything. It just revealed the things that were already going on. Right. It exposed a lot of it. Yeah. It lifted that rug that everyone was sweeping things under. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's extremely enlightening. Um, Wow. That's crazy. I, yeah, I'm, I feel like the Reno community should be very grateful for you and people like you be grateful reno all you reno listeners <laughs> and like let me be clear like because of the way my school is designed i have it better off than 95 percent of the other teachers out there because we already had some online programs we had mm. uh we had uh like resources to provide our students like mm-hmm. hot spots and equipment so they could access if they wanted and I don't have a classroom, like my, my, our classes were already small and they're even smaller now, the kids we do have in person. So like, I feel even with all those problems, I still feel lucky and I'm better. I'm glad I'm not, I'm at my school and not in a traditional school like so many of my friends and, and coworkers are because they have it even tougher. And I don't know how, like I would have dealt with it. it you know, it's been stressful enough. Like my girlfriend teaches pre-K and She's got four-year-olds she's trying to work with and getting them to be careful and wear a mask and educating her parents on, on, you know, like, okay, like your kid has COVID systems yet they're at school, you know, and their sibling tested positive. So like, isn't now like, 
you you put the entire school in danger. Like now she has to quarantine. She's got to get tested. I might have to get tested. Then like it's affecting my school. So it's just, there's so many things that people don't take into consideration and the all the stuff that my you know fellow teachers out there have had to, had to go through, you know, just adopting teaching that's done in person in front of 30. You know, I, I did a workshop last week with these high school students on poetry and it was the first time I'd been in front of so many students on a Zoom and I was actually nervous because <laughs> I'm like, how is this going to go? Like, I'm not used to teaching on Zoom and this isn't for work. This was outside of work, just a workshop, you know, like teaching these kids poetry and active and activism. I'm like, imagine it, like if I have this much anxiety about this, how would I feel if this was actually my job having to do this every day and the amount of anxiety and just doubt and work that would have to go into it would be overwhelming. Yeah, the I I saw uh, like a meme or something and it was like someone asking themselves, why are they so tired? And it was like, oh, because 500,000 people have died and I, you know, and someone's sick and someone doesn't have access to this. And it was just this like laundry list of all of these stressors that everyone in one way or another is experiencing. And I think we all have things that we're grateful for that we're not experiencing, but someone next to us is. And I think about that with work a lot where I'm like, I'm just quadruple stressed. And it's like, oh, because we're in a pandemic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what are y'all looking forward to? One, from a community perspective as COVID goes away and then one just like a fun what are you personally looking forward to the community stuff like getting together once again like at a gallery at a music thing like anything like that with like getting with like-minded people Mm -hmm. and enjoying things like that personal traveling like I miss traveling I have dreams about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 crazy like and i've never because i usually don't stay in reno more than like 60 days because i usually like just go like even if it's like a weekend vacation or something right where are you going first Uh, i don't know Uh, out of the country i think the lady and i want to go to paris or something you know Mm -hmm. or singapore visit my old roommate in singapore oh i just watched a thing about it it looks incredible in the country, I want to see how New York has changed with everything. Yeah. All the, you know, like the places I like, used to like to go to all the time in New York, are they still there? Like how's the, how are the neighborhoods changing mm-hmm. and things like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I, I mean, so much has changed in my life the last year and I've gotten involved in so many new things and organizations and people that, and I've never, like there's people who I communicate with every day who I've never met. So I uh-huh. think as a community part, like some of these organizations and things that I'm trying to do who we've only met virtually and communicated via email and so, to get like, if we're doing all this and we've never been in the same room together, I'm excited to get in the same room with some of these people and introduce them and really get to know them and see what can be accomplished once you know, we're all in the same room working together rather than a Zoom meeting. And then personally, mm-hmm. um, personally, it's like live music. Um, going to shows is something uh, I miss. And 
the I know the first place I'm going to go um, is like the this is the longest in my life I've gone without going to the Bay Area. Um, I haven't been there since the fall of 2019. Oh, and I spent so um, it's yeah. I, I usually go down there multiple times a year for a baseball game, a basketball game, a football game uh, to see friends or go to a concert at least you know every few months. And this is the longest I've been so. I think spring break's coming up and hopefully in the next few weeks, I keep watching like the California starts to reopen. So uh, mm-hmm. we can go down there because I want to do like a whole West Coast road trip. I want to go to <laughs> Vegas. I want to go to Phoenix. I want to go to LA. I want to go to the Bay and just get out of Reno for a little bit and then see all these places I miss and, and see people I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. You said baseball. I miss going to baseball games. Me too. So much. Me too. Especially at AT&T Stadium, you know, in San Francisco and just it's stunning. sitting out there in the sun, especially, you know, when you, when it's still winter here and you could go down there in April yeah. or May and, and it's beautiful weather or in the summertime when it's 9,500 degrees here and you can go and it's 65 and you can wear a jacket there. Mm-hmm. Like I miss, I miss that too. Yeah. And you and Seattle, that stadium is awesome you get to see the the skyline they got it cut out so like where you sit so a night game is fantastic nice i'm a baseball game is one of my biggest happy places like there's just nothing better than like a beer a dog a game it's everything yeah I mean, I hate day trips, but I would totally, we used to, like, regularly, it would be a day. Like, we'd get up, drive to San Francisco, go to a Giants game, yep. hang out yep. before the game, get some food afterwards somewhere, and drive back. It's a long-ass day, but it, it's just mm-hmm. being able to do that, it, it's something I will never complain about again uh, the rest of my life since I have <laughs> it. It's, it, like, Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are good. Yeah. It's, it's an exciting, it's exciting to look forward to so many things and just so many things that we've definitely taken for granted. Well, let's get into these rapid fires. I prepared them just for you. All right. Um, let's go. So I got to find a new name though, because that's what Brene Brown uses. So like, I don't know, we'll figure out a name. Lots of people use rapid fire. We started off with rapid fire. But okay. we wanted in-depth answers and changed them to meandering questions. Oh, that's so, right. You do have meanders. Yeah. We can do fuego. Yeah, I was thinking hot tamales or something. I'm in yeah, the fuego. Okay. All right. Hot tamales. All right. I like that. Okay. Use that Spanish. Use that Spanish. Okay, let's get some hot tamales. <laughs> I just got so a new phrase was born. <laughs> um what happens. Oh, my face hurts a little bit from the big grin. Okay. All right. So what we'll do is since there's two of you, I'll ask one question and each question will alternate who goes first. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay. We're starting with Caesar on the first question. I'm ready. What does bliss mean to you? Happiness. Sean? Uh, yeah. Just uh, being like super happy. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Sean, to you first. How do you channel confidence? Um, by not caring what other people think. That's a good one. That's hard too. Is that hard for you? It's hard for me. I, I've always been an independent yeah. person and, and like 
and kind of I, I, it took me so long to realize that not everyone's like this mm -hmm. I've always just done my own thing so uh it makes it a lot easier to like when I in high school people thought I was cocky and arrogant which like would hurt but I feel like so much <laughs> so I'm like anyone that I don't think anyone that knew me would really describe me that way but it was just I think the way I came off because I like don't care what other people like you do your your thing doesn't affect my thing mm -hmm. yeah yeah. It's like so knowing hard to yourself, learn. Yeah. Knowing yourself, as long as you're not like, because uh, you know who a bad person is. So knowing yourself and as long as you're not a bad person, like you're going to be a good person. And just that's where confidence comes from, knowing yourself. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I think that we nailed that one. All right. Coming to you, Caesar. When shit gets rough, what's the first thing you try to remember? Uh, I, I'm not necessarily trying to remember, but I listen to music. Mm -hmm. So music is my, you know, it helps my moods all the time. So if stuff feels overwhelming or stuff is hard and frustrating music right away, and then it like centers my chi and then I'm ready to go. Yeah. I love it. Sean. Uh, for me, like I'm a big fan of Sun Tzu. This is going to sound lame, but uh preparing to fail is or preparing <laughs> failure to prepare is uh preparing to fail so um i try and always be strategic in my thinking and then as a teacher when things go wrong just be adaptable mm -hmm. and problem solve like and i'm just the bitterest never give up don't let something stop me person so um it, it's easy for me to to i'm a very competitive strong-willed person and yeah uh, I'm, uh if something's a problem i am a very like i go into problem solving mode and i'm gonna keep coming up with different ways to solve that problem until i can't or i do um it sometimes is a detriment but i wouldn't yeah. say i'm stubborn yeah. just very very relentless <laughs> i always i feel like that's the default mode i go into is like fixer like i like go Olivia Pope on it. Um, do you know that reference? What is that? I don't is that know. From, is that from that uh, TV show? Yeah, the Carrie Washington one. Oh, scandal. Yes. I, yes. I wasn't like, the show was very addicting, but it wasn't like my favorite, but she just fixes everything. And I'm like, I'm a fixer. But then I'm yeah. like, I wonder if people always want me to fix. And I don't think the answer is yes, but you always have to find that line. It's like, I'm prepared to help fix, but it's possible yeah. I'll make it more messy. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> like that show got out of out of control. It, too much. It was too much. It was too much. It started going into like, what was it? Uh, like people getting caught, like uh, prisoners of war and stuff. It was just too much. It, it it got it got to be a lot. Okay, next question for Sean. Um, this is how the question came out of my brain. So here we go. What song do you play to jump into beast mode? Uh, <laughs> so I don't know why um, it just came out like that, but that's what well, I want I have to know. A playlist for I, ha I have a whole playlist for this, but um, <laughs> I have playlists for everything, mm -hmm. side note. But right now, like for a while, it's been pretty much anything by Run the Jewels. Okay. Um, it gets me like, and I think right now uh, they're single off their last album, Ooh La La. Mm -hmm. 
Like it, I have a, a mix I listen to on my way to work every morning and, and that's on it. And uh, yeah, like once that song, ooh, la, la, ah, wee, wee, <laughs> like that, that's my jam. And uh, yeah, I like my old school because I worked in a middle school and it started at 7.15. Like I would, I would listen to Rage Against the Machine and Run the Jewels on the way to work. And I would come in there like 7 a.m., no coffee, drinking ice cold water, ready to fucking in kick some hot. ass and, and, and learn some fucking like hot as like live wire. So <laughs> fucking hot. But that's how you had to be with middle school. Yeah. Like, I like, and I yeah. miss that, you know, yeah. having so much energy coming into work. Like I, th- I think as a teacher, enthusiasm is important. So um, I, I, I would, now it's not so much because I have less, but normally under normal circumstances, I'm coming into work hot as fuck like listening to ooh la la or some run the jewels ready to go yes okay so you so my question you interpret it perfectly so i'm glad the question just jumped out from my brain and it's working so far so caesar give it to us so mine <laughs> i already know he's gonna say. yeah mine is anything like the dope game so like any pusher t some Ooh. old jay-z Yep. You know, like before I came in here, I listened to some some Hellrell on the way here. Uh, and like Run the Jewels is a big one too. Yeah. Uh, but anything like Sean Price. Yeah, Sean Price. Sean Price, some Ghostface, like anything like that. It's just like for an interview, like if I'm going to go do an interview, I listen to some Pusher T, you know, Dang, to get me yep. like, I got this, you know, that confidence. And it's just like, it's just, yeah, that's what it's. That's that's my go-to right there. It's like like getting pumped up. I'm getting pumped up talking about like our (laughs) our whole first set on our radio show about songs like this. And like, I'm getting pumped up thinking about how I would walk into like, I can't wait for the first day of normal school when all the kids are there. I'm getting pumped up just thinking about like how I'm going to go. It's like going out to play. I played sports growing up. Like I said, a competitive person. So I'm in that like sports mindset of like, all right, let's go. Like it's like, like you're running up out, to that song. Running out onto the field. Or yeah. Something. yeah. It's like a boxer <laughs> yeah. coming out, you know, to that song, to yeah. whatever song it was, you know? I'm like Ray Lewis dancing before the game yeah. starts, like getting hyped up. Yeah. Yes. Mike Tyson, Red Man, let's get ready to rumble. Like we do this before like every radio show and podcast, pretty much. Like play yeah. a bunch of this music and get it get it Just amped get up to bring hyped. energy. Yes. And that's why our intro song is like the same way, you know. Like the intro song now we play before we interview people and it's like so ding like the like we're ready to fight. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, in, zero yeah. In. The song like, is I'll come so in good. Here, come in here and I'll set up and I'm a little all over the place because I'm setting up so many things. But as soon as that song plays, I sit down. It's like, it's like <clears throat> I'm ready to go. Why did both of our hands do this? What is that? But you guys know you're in synergy. You know, you're getting locked synchronized, in. Synchronized, you know? Yeah. Tunnel vision. Wax on, <laughs> wax off. If we want all the smoke. Let's go. Yes. Um, I bring the same intensity to coaching and, and teaching and, and every, like, it's, um, yeah. I'm going to overwhelm my students with, with enthusiasm and intensity. I'm, I'm all about it. I actually, we all have that in common. I cannot wait to be a coach again. I don't know when it's going to happen. I started to look up some opportunities here in Seattle, but coaching is the best. Have you watched Ted Lasso? Yeah. I, On Apple TV? Y- yes, I have. Listen, I want to be the female Ted Lasso so badly. And I know y'all know I, I have it in me. Yeah. 
So I'm like him, but like super hyped up with the positivity. Like yes. when I'm like, when I'm coaching basketball or volleyball, it's I'm clapping. I'm like, let's go. I'm pumping those. I, I'm pumping those kids up. Like I, I use my confidence to pump them, especially teaching with middle schoolers. Cause they're so full of self-doubt. Like yeah. there's no room. For, like I, I, I give them my confidence and energy to keep them going. And like, um, it wasn't until someone else pointed out to me, like a parent once told me, like, they're not playing well because like, why aren't you doing this? They like, they need that energy that yeah. you, like, you're getting like, and I noticed it like, so I was like, all right, like I felt bad, you know, like I'm very intense. It's not, <laughs> it's like not always uh, perfect, but um, like the way they responded to it and loved it. And like, once a parent like was like, Hey, they're missing that from you. You know, like you were, I don't know why I was at that game or whatever. It, 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 I, I always remember that like, okay, like I'm not going to hold back. They need, they need to see that support. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You got to get that feedback though. Sometimes you don't know. Cause like we all experience self-doubt. So maybe you were like, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little extra or maybe I'm not feeling myself or whatever it is. And they're like, no, no, we need that. Pump it right back. Yeah, I'm the biggest, I'm their biggest cheerleader. Like I'm on the sideline cheering them on and like I'm not necessarily coaching I'm just urging them and, and cheering them on and because they I always teach them like you know what to do you just got to do it like you know yeah. how to do it you know what to do like just believe in yourself and, and do it so I'm there too I'm getting pumped up right now yeah, yeah. good supporting squad helps you know like LeBron James didn't get to where he was just by himself you know Right. Some people had to be pumped for them and like help them, you know, in certain situations, you know, to light that fire inside mm -hmm. of them. I don't know how we even got to this point, but it, it's making me really happy. It's the the beast mode question. That's what it was. Yeah. And I went into beast mode. See, you see how <laughs> you easily it slipped, I, slipped, I slipped into it. I didn't even need the song. Just you the thought of the song. <laughs> Think yeah. about which song. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy is like, we're talking about coaching kids or teens or whatever, but it sucks. Cause like, even as adults self doubts a bitch, you know? And it's like, I, I find this at work when I'm working with people, it's like, man, just like believe in yourself. And it, it just, I wish we could, I, I think this is what we're all doing here with podcasts and spreading the love. It's like, keep going, get into beast mode more often y'all. Yeah. It's like life coach stuff. One of the first things like, in college I worked with kids and one of the first things I realized was like they think I'm cool like I was like 18 working yeah. with like 13 year olds and I'm like they think I'm cool no matter what I do even when I'm not even though I'm not so just like give that same energy back to them when yep. when they're facing doubts and um you know as I've gotten older obviously I more believe in myself and have more confidence than I did when I was 18, 19, but they still need that same support and that same energy and just never take yourself too seriously and just give them like all the energy and positivity they need. Yeah. And I heard this podcast one time on a similar thread about like, if a kid were in crisis, you would talk to them very like calmly and like, Hey, you got this. Right. And then suddenly when we're mad at ourselves, we're talking mad shit to ourselves. <laughs> and it's like, and the podcast said, talk to yourself. Like you would talk to someone else you were trying to offer support. And I was like, I got to try that. Cause usually it's Cause like, like not cute. Some people feed off of that though. You know, mm -hmm. like I forgot who, who it was. 
I which basketball player. It might have been Curry. Sometimes he like if he's doing bad in a game or something, he like looks at Twitter and when everyone's talking shit to him, it lights a fire under him. And yeah. next thing you know, he puts up 25 and a quarter, you know? Yeah, I guess that does ignite us some adrenaline, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what'd you just say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna show him. Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> That was the best. I'll just, I mean, that's my favorite question. Um, I'll take, I'm going to take it to the last one. Um, I'm really on this show trying to normalize talking about mental health, which I think we're doing a great job of. And so I just wanted each of your number one tips on what you do to take care of your own mental health. So we'll start with Sean. Um, this was something I learned as a teacher because and just in general, I would take on so much like there was a point in my life where I was teach you know the school was from seven to two thirty I was teaching I'm involved in all these other things and like the first couple of years of doing that like certain times of year like I would literally be so run down and tired like I was getting sick like it was affecting my actual health it was like my blood pressure was raised like my mm-hmm. doctor was like like you're like like he saw it he was like in the summertime I was a lot healthier than I was like in the middle of the school year or the middle of the season. So I think knowing your limits and saying no and just taking time when you need time. Um, like it's okay, like especially as teachers, like sometimes you just gotta take a day off if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're, if you're exhausted and it, you can't, anytime you take a day off, you feel guilty because yes. you know they're not gonna get the, the education that they would if you were there, like plain and simple, no matter if you have the best sub, you're not there. and you know your students the best and you think you can reach them the best, but you know, sometimes you gotta take a day or two mm-hmm. or, and, and I also, the importance of like recharging during breaks um, for the, like my parents lived in New York for the longest time and we used to have three weeks off for Christmas break. And like, that would be the end of uh, basketball season. Uh, so I literally, you know, would go there, go to my parents' house. They lived out on Long Island, in the middle of nowhere. And for like three or four days, just chill, not mm-hmm. do anything, um, not go anywhere, just hang out. And I think that it's really important is just taking, the, you know, I always tell people, the only way you can do all this stuff and be this active and be involved in all these things is there has to be balance. There has to be another time where you're, whatever it is for me, it's like summertime, I'm going to go to the beach two or three times a week in Tahoe. I'm going to sit there, I'm going to listen to music, I'm going to drink some beers, I'm going to chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And just taking some time for me, and know, I know like that's what's going to recharge me. You got to find out like what's going to recharge you. Because I know for Caesar, uh, we, we have different personalities. Um, for me, it's slowing down and not doing anything at all. I think for you, you know, it might be different. Yeah, for me, it was like music, bike riding, you know, it's like activities where it's just me by myself. Because with everything that we do, we're always so busy, you know, our nine to five photography, podcast, radio. But lately, what's been helping me a lot is just chilling with my baby, with Leia. And that's it. Because all she wants is me. And like, Mm -hmm. that's all I need, you know. And so like, sometimes like I need a bike ride till I get some physical activity, center my brain a little bit and do stuff like that. Or leave town, like I said, like, 
you know, being in Reno for so long and doing so many things kind of drags a little bit. So leaving town on a little vacation, but like with the baby, it's just to spend a day with her, just with her and not doing anything is mm-hmm. pretty like relieving and centering. Cause it's just like, sometimes you do a lot of stuff for yourself, but now I'm doing stuff for her and mm-hmm. she just wants me and that's it. Not that I'm a photographer and not that I, you know, do a radio show. She's just, just me. I can tell when he's having those days because he'll send me like a video of her, like they'll be hanging out. She'll be listening to music and dancing or just like a photo of her playing or something like, like, oh, cool. Like, I know like today's his, he's getting his day in. Yeah. yeah. I don't worry about anything else. Just her. Yeah. Like everything goes to the side and I'm like, you know, next couple of days I might have to stay up late, but I'll be recharged, you know? Like, mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The recharge is everything because like burnout mm-hmm. I, I feel like with burnout you just make more and more poor decisions because you're not thinking right so it's just like you're not at 100 yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean I quit a job when I was 25 because I hated it was burned out in life and completely re-examined every aspect of my life and, and changed so much about myself and like what I wanted to do in life and then again, a couple of years ago, I was burnt out at the school I was at and, and left to go to it. Like you have to recognize when you, you, you can't do it anymore and it's mm-hmm. okay. Like sometimes you have to take a step back to go forward and you can't be afraid or you know, let other people talk you out of it because they wouldn't do it. You just gotta do what's best for you in these cases. And you know, twice in my life I've done it and each time come out better in the long run for, from it. So, you know. Yeah. Follow your path. Follow your heart. We always say, follow your heart. I love that. Y'all are, and it shows. And that's why we found each other for these podcasts. Cause we're all just out here. Care bear staring people with our friggin' heart beams. <laughs> Picture that. Uh, <laughs> care bear stare. Yeah. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember those cartoons. I'm yeah. like a care bear. i just need a little shirt with a you know whatever my symbol is gonna be yep we need a new aka care bear bod (laughs) (laughs) be like intensity or something (laughs) intensity a fist (laughs) with the little batman things yeah (laughs) well on that note i think we covered uh pretty great ground by uh, yeah. leaving it at the Care Bear stare. <laughs> I mean, you can't top it. Yeah. No. So tell, tell uh, the millions and millions and millions of listeners of the Bliss Myth uh, <laughs> where we can find you on the social media uh, and whatnot. It's the podcast and radio show are up in the mix. The podcast is on all streaming platforms. Uh, the website is uh, anchor slash up anchor fm slash up in the mix um my social media is just my name sean s-h-a-u-g-h-n uh on instagram and facebook on twitter um at articulate af <laughs> yeah and uh our radio show uh for those people who don't live in reno is every friday night from 9 to 11 and you can uh, listen for free you can stream it at www.krinkradio.org and then our Instagram is at upinthemix.live. For me, De La Photo, um, I'm on everything. And it's at 
D-E-L-A-F-O-T-O dot photography. And that's also my website. Um, all my, uh, all social medias are all the same consistency. Nice. That's important for branding. We out here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You really are. Well, thank you, fellas. I had a blast. This is the first podcast exchange. Like you do one, I'll do one. So we're both just switching seats. So that was amazing. And um, it was weird to be interviewed. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, No, I hope I, I hope it did you proud. I hope the, what what was my sound effect for my hot, hot tamale questions? (laughs) (laughs) The hot tamales. (laughs) Oh Oh, no, you did it. Now I'm even more excited with the calories. (laughs) If you want, we could soundbite it for you. (laughs) Um, yep. You're acting. That's our next move. Catch it. We're gonna be voice acting. Boys, yeah. I'm trying to be a big star. Fuego, fuego. Okay. Well, thank you both so much, and um, yeah, we'll do this again. Yeah, we'll go up Seattle and watch a baseball game. Oh, it, yep. Yes. Done. Done deal. And just, and just stay away from that gum wall. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't walk directly up against it. <laughs> Just been there once that's all i need <laughs> all right thanks y'all all right, bye. all right bye